there are very few people in the world that you're going to get to listen to that know apparel retail marketing better than the guest we have today. Um, Craig was so gracious to share his time, and I know I learned a ton. Um, didn't realize how prominent American Eagle was, both from a retail presence and from an influencer perspective. Um, they are really crushing it. Um, enjoy today's show, guys. Remember, be a friend, tell a friend, and leave a review. We appreciate it. Thanks. Explore the minds and marketing strategies behind today's winning brands and businesses. Tap into the power of the creator economy with Earned by Creator IQ. Here's Connor Begley. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Earned. Today, we have a very amazing guest, Craig Brommers. Welcome to the show, Craig. Hey, thanks, Connor. Good to be here. Yeah, so Craig, your background is probably one of the most in-depth backgrounds when it comes to retail and apparel that I have come across. Um, congrats on uh, everything you've achieved. It's super impressive. I appreciate that, Connor. I kind of joked that I'd made my way through the American Mall, but it has been, <laughs> it has been a pinch-me career. Um, as you know, uh, currently CMO at American Eagle, but previously at Gap, Abercrombie & Fitch, Calvin Klein. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a real good ride. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at it, so we pulled some data on you guys. You guys are the number 17 global brand when we track kind of influencers, right? So you got $240 million in coverage in the last 12 months. And you personally have worked at three out of the top 25 globally. Um, and you're, you know, I mean, American Eagles ahead of Levi's, Abercrombie, uh, Vans, Lululemon, Converse. You're you're uh, kicking some kicking some butt over there. So congrats. That's good to it. hear, Connor. I got I to gotta use that more often. I did not know that myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're beating, you're beating some of your old friends there. Um, Cool. Well, let's start at the top, right? So, you know, I just interviewed the CMO of a really fast growing brand called Pros in the hair care space, right? And the first question that I asked her um, was very kind of felt very topical, right? Kind of current day when it came to social and influencers. And obviously this is, you know, this is a topic that you guys are investing in, I would imagine quite heavily given just who your audience is. Um, with that being said, it seems like there's been a lot of changes lately. It seems like there's something, you know, kind of brewing, both in terms of the channels that people are focusing on, right? TikTok versus Instagram versus whatever, as well as, you know, obviously a lot of the privacy changes are really affecting kind of, you know, how efficient the spend has been when it comes to pure kind of digital paid media, right? So talk to me about how you guys are adapting to those changes. And then I want to take a step back and really go through go through your career because there's a lot there's a lot there. Yeah, so Connor American Eagle is the number one specialty retailer for Gen Z. Yep. And when you have the privilege of being so focused on a certain segment, I mean, you really go deep with that customer. And far mm -hmm. none, we have the best damn consumer insights team in retail. Um, and we actually even have a 2000 person panel of people age 15 to 25 that we can ask any question on any topic on any day. And we do. And to your point, we definitely are seeing some shifting in the social and digital landscape. And I think two platforms are certainly gaining strength, gaining momentum, TikTok bar none, the, the, the number one most fascinating growth story from a social and digital perspective. Um, and we have a really strong partnership with them. And then Snap, although, you know, there's been some, um, you know, not so favorable business press news on Snap, Gen Z continues to, to embrace the platform as a number one communication tool. 
And so to your point, Connor, you are seeing some of the more legacy social platforms, Insta and Facebook probably being the two that come to mind most, is perhaps decelerating um, mm-hmm. as Gen Z seeks out authenticity, wants to share their real self, um, wants to have a little fun, given the fact that the world is kind of a shit show right now. Um, <laughs> And, and so, you know, TikTok and Snap seem to be the winners and the meta platforms, you know, for a moment here are, are, are you know, having to, I think, reassess where they live and where they evolve if they want to truly engage with Gen Z and Gen Alpha before that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, again, I think from what we track from a data perspective, at least in terms of branded content, Instagram is still the number one platform in terms of branded content. With that being said... Um, like you, 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 you want to reverse that trend, right? You want it to be heading in the right direction. And that's, that's not going to be new news for them either. Um, so a question I have, uh, and it's interesting, Snapchat actually doesn't come up super frequently in these discussions. So when you're approaching Snapchat and you're thinking about it, like, what is your approach? How are you engaging with people there? Because again, it is primarily a messaging platform. Obviously they have their media kind of uh, section, but what, what are the tactics you're using to engage with Snapchat? So I think we're now five minutes into this and I will finally use the term metaverse. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the hottest thing in marketing these days. And, 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 and very specifically to Snap, we think that they're ahead of the game right now in terms of augmented reality and unique retail cool. experiences. And they honestly are one of the only places we found to date that we can actually um, generate millions and millions and millions of dollars of revenue in the so-called metaverse. And so we've opened these augmented reality pop-up virtual stores. Um, and every time we do, as I publicly stated, we're, we're making a couple million dollars um, in, in, a, in a week or two with each set. So it, it leads us to believe that Gen Z, um, while, while re-embracing their best self in the physical world, is still interested in unique immersive shopping experiences in the virtual world. And Snap right now is doing the best, um, in, in our opinion. Very cool. And I mean, you know, the reality is outside of the sales, right? There's, you create kind of an image, right? Of the brand being for, very forward leaning, very technology forward. And also, you know, all those people had a special experience with the brand, right? Those are things that they kind of maintain, will drive up LTV over time, all that kind of stuff. And I think it kind of you know probably brings up an interesting thing is that social media is not a peanut butter spread anymore. I mean, we really do have bespoke strategies around content and engagement by platform. Mm-hmm. And I think that you've kindly mentioned, and I think that our um, commercial results also speak for themselves, that we're winning in this marketplace because we are really diving deep within each of those channels and delivering at least what the user is telling us they, they, they want to interact with. Well, you see such diverse communities, right? I think that's what a lot of it comes down to is like, you know, if you spend time on the different platforms, you realize there's like different, there's literally just like almost a different language, right? Within each one, there's different inside jokes. There's different, you know, even though Instagram has reels and TikTok has, you know, obviously TikTok, um, just the people that are on it make a really big difference in terms of how you should engage with it, right? I think you're right, Connor. Yeah. And it's funny, as I reflect back on my career, you know, I grew up in high control um, environments like a Calvin or A&F back in the heyday. Um, and you really do have to let go. And so, for example, on TikTok, about 99% of the content that we put out 
is creator produced. And so we may have a light-ish brief, um, but we found that our own content does not perform as well as creator content. And so, um, you know, you're, you're seeing Gen Z take control of the narrative. Um, and, you know, it's it has been uncomfortable as I've evolved, but <laughs> it's paid off for us as well, is um, you have to understand that they're, they're driving this um, and, and we're along for the ride. That is super cool to hear. 99% is a high percentage. I knew that there's a lot of brands doing, you know, uh, kind of obviously re reusing UGC or, you know, using creator produced content. And um, we just did a summit in LA and the uh, head of creators at Honest, uh, Honest Beauty, you know, the whole kind of group was saying, she was like, yeah, they asked like the performance of branded content versus creator content. She's like, not even close. Like dramatic not even close. difference. No, yeah, you're right. Like, Right. Which is crazy, right? Like you would think that you'd be pretty good at creating content about your own brand, but <laughs> but well, uh, even on Insta, who to your point is still an important part of our of our uh, ecosystem. Yeah, we're finding that lo-fi content is also beginning to perform better than probably the highly stylized content that you and I have been used to on Insta for years. So um, there there is a shift um, and. We at American Eagle are embracing that shift, and I think other marketers and other brands will have to as well. Yeah, absolutely. We just, I mean, to verify your your what your observations, that summit we did with TikTok, right? We did one in LA, New York, London, one the whole trip. One of the stats they trotted out was how lo-fi content performs significantly better on TikTok. I would imagine it also does on Instagram. Um, but it's just funny. It's funny how counterintuitive that is, but it feels real, right? I think yep. that's part of the reason that, you know, uh, well, anyways, let's, let's keep and going. I think, Actually, I think also Connor, it just, it's a little bit generational as well. So, you know, one thing that I've observed, our team has observed about Gen Z is they're, they've got a little hustle in them and, um, you know, they really do believe that they could be the next something. Um, and in fact, some of the biggest, uh, creators that we have worked with the Addison race of the world, you know, she was, she was just a normal kid in a normal yep. town in Louisiana. Um, and so uh, I think that hustle, that entrepreneurial spirit is is something that Gen Z already digged. And I think platforms like TikTok are allowing, um, you know, that, that, that side of Gen Z to explode on steroids. Yeah, well, I mean, in some ways, I think that just the distribution model that TikTok has set up, um, encourages that behavior, right? Because it's not about like, oh, you don't have to have a big audience to get discovered, right? You just have to create something that's really interesting and entertaining and fun. You know, like I've met, I don't know, a half dozen people that are either marketers or just people I know, like, oh yeah, I had a video blow up on TikTok and become viral and I've got a hundred thousand fans now. And it's like, what? Like, how right. did that happen? It's crazy. Um, They've cut out the middle machine. They don't, they don't need the, 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 again, the machine to help build them, you know, the algorithm can build them and good and great content can come from anywhere. It truly can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, um, let's take a step back. So I, mean, I still have a lot of questions about kind of social and all those things. And obviously you guys are, are on the leading edge there, but, um, let's take a step back in your career, right? So you've spent a lot of time at the most iconic or some of the most iconic apparel brands in the world. Um, obviously again, you know, you've toured the mall, which is great, which is, uh, you know, uh, big during my younger years. Um, so across those brands, like you mentioned with, I think one of the more interesting things you said in terms of American Eagle is like, we've got this panel of 2000, 
you know, 15 to 24 year olds that we can survey at any time. And like, so you know who my target audience is and are like laser focused on that, right? Um, what have you seen across these other brands, whether it's Calvin or ANF or Gap or Speedo? Because um, these are brands that have, you know, stood the test of time. Um, and you kind of assume that brands do that, but there's a lot that don't, right? There's a lot that die um, or at yeah. least become, you know, a shadow of what they were before. What have you seen that has been consistent across these iconic brands that has made them kind of stand the test of time? So I think, Connor, iconic brands run towards who they are, although you have to adapt your storytelling to modern times. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's why a company like American Eagle or, or a brand like Calvin Klein has actually stood the test of time because at the root of who these brands are, they, they haven't actually dramatically changed from their founding in the late 70s. Yep. I think when you try to become you know, the, the, uh, to adapt too much to whatever is hot in that very moment and kind of forget who you are, you can get in trouble pretty quickly. Um, and so as I reflect back on all of the, the great brands I've had the privilege to participate in, you know, you, you have your brand book, you know who you are, you have some guardrails, um, you modernize the way that you're expressing yourself, but you really understand who that is. You know, AE, American Eagle, was ahead of its time and actually probably the antithesis of what we were at Abercrombie & Fitch. You know, A&F was exclusive, cool kid. Um, mm -hmm. We told you what you wanted to look like, what you should wear. Um, and, you know, back then the store associates were actually more focused on looking good so and and I was sure a store associate, by the way, at one point. <laughs> yeah, and so making sure they looked good and making sure the product was displayed properly. But honestly, not a lot of customer service going on. And so hey. what, what AE was able to do is flip that upside down, right? And, and so more inclusive, bring your true self. Um, you know, the, the, our, our product is, uh, you know, is the blank canvas from, from which you can express your, your true self. And I think then that's only um, evolved further in, over the last year or two when people are expressing themselves, maybe even a different part of themselves in the digital world, metaverse, gaming, whatever it may be. Yep. So, um, uh, you know, so, so I guess, again, to answer your question directly, Iconic brands tend to tend to have a very clear vision of who they are and stick with that through time. And I think that's that's part of the secret sauce of success. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting kind of having seen that time at AF, right? Abercrombie and Fitch. Um, obviously I saw it on a very personal level, uh, which was kind of funny. It was like a side job in, in high school, right? But it was great. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, I think the title even at the time was called like you were like a brand model or something like that. Like That's model right. was, yep. In the, yep. yeah, was in yep. the actual language. Yeah. Um, and obviously they're, they're evolving. Victoria's Secret is attempting to evolve and ultimately the consumer will decide, you know, are, are these authentic evolutions that um, feel real and I will participate in or are any of those companies frauds and yeah. not, not, not walking the talk. So um, it, it, it'll be, It'll be interesting to to see um, what develops. Those are two of the stories. Obviously, there's others in our industry to 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 follow as well. 100. percent So, 
you know, obviously you've gotten to see, so, you know, we're going to talk a lot about social, but I do think that your experience and knowledge when it comes to the retail sector is also incredibly fascinating, right? So you've, I would imagine, gotten to see a big evolution in the way that people shop in retail, the way that, you know, like you said, associates interact with kind of consumers in retail, um, you know, the entire, that kind of entire experience, right? How it's integrated within the digital landscape. So how have things changed from your early days kind of working in retail to today? Because American Eagle has a, a very large retail presence as well, right? So you, Connor, how, yeah. how has that changed? Yeah, Connor, we still have the second largest physical store fleet um, in in North America. Yeah. Um, and and so, but, but you know what? Remember this, Gen Z is inherently social and mm. social does mean the physical world. And of course it means the digital and social world as well. And so we don't look at either of those as independent entities. I think we probably did as an industry five to 10 years ago. Now it's, um, do I know you, Connor, and, and, and can I surprise and delight and anticipate your needs no matter where you interact with our brands? It could be in a physical mm -hmm. format. Again, it could be on our e-commerce site, could be in the app, maybe it could be in the metaverse. So um, yeah. I think that you just have to understand that um, Gen Z is always connected, always, mm -hmm. um, but, but they, they have relished the ability to get back out in the real world um, and you know, they're living their best life right now, um, you know, re revenge living almost from from things that have been taken away. So I think what we're trying to do is to bridge those two worlds to create the best shopping experience for for Gen Z. Um, and I actually think that even though the last two-ish years have been a bit scary, there are moments in our industry where, you know, we really had to look ourselves in the mirror and say, what, you know, how, how are we going to get through this? I actually think we've come out of it stronger I think the brands that are winning are stronger and I think the customer experience is also stronger. So let's talk about those last couple of years. Cause I think one of the things that's been really interesting for me to observe, I think I might've talked about this on a previous episode. Um, but at the beginning, right. There was this discussion of like e-commerce has accelerated 10 years, right. You can, you've probably seen those trend lines where it's like, Oh, wow. You know, percent of, uh, retail that's coming through uh, e-com is like through the roof, right? Um, way ahead of the trend line. And then, you know, over the last kind of year or so, year to 18 months, like back to the trend line, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the descriptions that I heard that I thought was most interesting was, you know, and I think this applies again to your audience, which is probably more school related than work related, but, you know, a lot of people are still working from home, right? That's a trend that hasn't gone back uh, to the trend line, right? And, or in terms of going and working into the office. And, you know, when I'm in my house all day long, the last thing I want to do is shop in my house, right? Uh, still, like I want to go out, experience a physical world. I like this idea of like revenge living. I love it. Um, and so again, if I'm a student and I'm doing a lot of my stuff virtually, like I want to go out, see my friends, do shopping in person, do that whole thing. Um, now that you've had time to reflect on that period, um, which again, isn't fully done, but uh, what have been some of your your learnings during that period? Like, what are what are the things that you you took away from it? Because yeah, a couple of things okay. come to mind, Connor, uh, for for that question. One is obviously the pandemic had a profound effect, but yet it is still very hard 
to shift general consumer behavior, even in, under pandemic conditions. So to your point, things have kind of settled back into the general trend that they were they were checking on in, in 2019. And that is the digital will continue to, to grow, um, yep. perhaps more modestly, um, it, um, but will continue to grow and probably physical stores will continue to slow down, but still be a majority of the way that we shop here in in the U.S. Yeah. Um, on the on the physical storefront, you're going to see the best stores get even better. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're taking the time, if you're paying the gas money to go to some sort of lifestyle center, some sort of mall, you not only want a great store experience, but you want entertainment. You want your senses to be engaged, and and you want to be social. So you're going to see that and and uh, continue. And then from a digital perspective, um, again, I, I hinted at it with, with those Snapchat augmented reality stores is I think we are entering a new phase of digital commerce where engaging entertaining experiences are also going to be important. And listen, we're in early, 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 early days on this so-called metaverse. Um, and you know we've been testing and trying lots of things. It's Roblox, it's Snapchat, it's other things. Our hope is that that test, that learn, and even some of the failures that we've had along the way yep. um, will keep us three or four steps ahead of our competition. And more importantly, um, three or four steps um, you know, ahead of, of, of the customer so we can surprise and, and delight them. So I think that, uh, again, it's all about engaging entertainment experiences on both sides of, of the coin, physical and digital. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. I think I like that uh, it is tough to change consumer behavior, right? I think you really have to adapt to it. You can push it forward a little bit, right? But uh, ultimately, people are going to do what they want to do, right? And if you are asking them to go outside of the things that they want to do, I think that uh, it's generally unsuccessful, right? I think that's, frankly, you know, I think there was a big push around kind of live commerce over the last, call it five to 10 years. Um, where it's like, hey, I'm in Instagram or I'm in TikTok and I want to go buy immediately an app. And it's like, mm, it's just not how sh- consumers shop in Western countries, right? That might be how it works in China. Um, and maybe that will get here one day today. But it's been, you've seen failure after failure after failure across every one of the channels. And it's like, guys, like I've seen this playbook. Uh, it's not how people operate. And it's interesting, Connor, even then, again, we've, we've tried and we also have not seen the scale that, you know, you cross your fingers for, yeah. but in every um, trial, you learn something. Um, yep. Yep. And, you know, it, when we were trying live shopping over the last couple of years, one of the insights is that our customers really like engaging with our store associates. Mm. And so we have 35,000 store associates, you know, uh, predominantly Gen Z. Um, and so we've actually activated those those store associates to be part of a widely successful influencer program that now produces some of our most engaging content across all of our social platforms. So again, I guess what I'm getting to, you know, as you think about being a modern marketer today is innovation is still important. And, and on the face of it, maybe what you're trying to achieve in this case, live shopping at scale may not have played out exactly how you'd seen but there's still nuggets that we're taking away and we're applying to other parts of our business. Um, and that's, I think, the, 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 the mandate for my industry is continue to push ahead uh, because we're in the battle for attention. We're, we're, this yeah. is the attention war. And so 
it's retail versus travel versus streaming versus whatever it might be. Um, and we got to continue to up our game to, to, again, create experiences that, that demand people's attention. So I really want to dive into that topic because it's fascinating for me personally. I know that like one of the things that just blows me away is, uh, you know, we'll talk to brands, very big brands, right? And we work with, you know, all the largest luxury brands, all the big apparel brands, whatever, a lot of them, I should say. And, uh, you know, they have a hard time getting headcount for, you know, six, seven people to interact with digital influencers online. And yet they'll have 10,000 store in-store associates. And it's like, how do you have that experience in person? And then digitally, you have somebody who's got tens of thousands of fans, is actively talking about your brand, and here's crickets on the other side because you can't hire 10 people to interact with this person, right? Like, right. it is shocking. And I think, you know, we interviewed the uh, Robert, the CMO at Gucci, and he's like, yeah, we've got a, a staff, I believe it was 600, that sole job is doing, like, digital interactions, personal shopping experiences, et cetera, with people that want to interact that way. Um, so talk to me about those 35,000 associates. What are the specific tactics you're doing with them? If you have any tools that you're using or any you know places that you're working with that could get a shout out, that'd be great too. But uh, what are the, how are you activating those people? How are you bringing them into that kind of digital experience? Yeah, one thing we learned during the pandemic, Connor, was we wanted to to, to allow the shopper to engage with us wherever, however, whenever they want to. And that really actually pushed a lot of interesting innovation forward. Um, and, you know, I'm a big fan of never waste a good crisis. Um, and we <laughs> clearly were in, a, a, you know, as an industry in crisis in 2020. But that got, you know, an idea to execution in, in record speed. So a couple of things come to mind. One is... Um, we actually do have a, a new app called AE Live, and that's now mm -hmm. migrated onto our e-com um, site where you can set up um, a styling appointment with an associate from the comfort of your home, comfort of your apartment. Um, yep. and, 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 and that was born out of an insight that I, I still miss having that, that, that personal touch but either I don't feel comfortable going into a mall, I don't have time, um, or again, given the the gas situation in this year, I you know I don't want to spend money. So yep, yep. I think that is that that's one great example. Um, I think two, um, you know, we've seen an explosion in our app in terms of usage. Um, I won't give you an exact percentage, but from what I gather, we are well ahead of most other specialty retailers. Yep. Um, why is that important? Um, that's because our loyalty program was was relaunched in in middle of 2020 as well, and um, has has been a phenomenal success at at rewarding people for for again their their loyalty and engagement with our with our brand. So that's yep. that's been yep. that's been great. And then as Gen Z uh, again is excited to get back out in the real world, we're activating more live events, more mm. localized events than ever before in that 900 store fleet. Um, yep. And that has also been um, a, a pretty big boon. So um, I think that that strategic intent of wherever, however, whenever um, has really unlocked some innovative ideas here at American Eagle. Very cool. In terms of that kind of, um, you know, call it digital shopping experience, I think the other thing you didn't mention is access, right? So 900 stores is a ton. Um, but there's a lot of people that literally aren't physically nearby one, right? Yep. And don't have that opportunity to 
kind of have that shopping experience. Um, I think if you were to look at e-com, actually where it has the deepest penetration is like middle America, where you're like, you don't have access to every store within 30 minutes of you, right? And so, um, but anyways, what I was going to say is, obviously that makes sense at the beginning of the pandemic. You sounds like you've continued to see engagement with that, despite the fact that things have really kind of opened up um, or maybe even acceleration in terms of engagement with that, that part of the experience. Is that, is that accurate? It is. And, and uh, again, um, Gen Z is always on the cusp of what's new, what's next. And they actually like engaging with some of this innovation. Connor, we set up a, AE store inside of NBA 2K, which as you know, is one of um, the, 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 the most engaged with games on the planet. Um, and we saw great success there. So I think it's surprise, it's delight, it's engaging. Um, and, and that's what our customer base is really telling us. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about TikTok. And then I want to go into your background, because I think that what you've achieved in such a short period of time from a career perspective is something that you know a lot of people will have uh, an opportunity to learn from. So um, let's talk TikTok very specifically. So I've been asking this question a lot because I think TikTok is an interesting channel um, in that growing very, very fast and I'm a huge advocate of it, huge personal user of it. But at the same time, I think that because they are promoting kind of what is the most entertaining content rather than just what is the content from the people that you follow, um, it makes kind of branded content from creators more challenging, right? Mm-hmm. To uh, to have the same effects. And obviously, you know, we we tended to focus historically on organic content, which will do better on TikTok. But still, there's just a lot less of it than say Instagram. Um, so, what have been the tactics that you guys have found successful there? Because I think you guys have had a lot of success on TikTok um, that have worked. Uh, you know, what what are you what are you doing there? couple things. One creator first, you know, you and I talked about it before is this is a creator led platform and we have a tops down bottoms up creator strategy. So we have the, 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 the scale and the budget to be able to work with some of the, 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 the biggest creators, but honestly, we see um, tremendous success at that mid and even nano level as, as well. So I think it's a diverse mix of creators and lean into that community first. Two is the team is not afraid to try things and, and I'm not afraid to say, go try things. Um, and um, as, I, as I mentioned previously, failure is an important thing here at American Eagle. It's a good thing here at American yeah. Eagle because if you're not failing, you're not, you're not pushing yourself. Um, and so um, I love the fact that our team is not scared. Um, and you know we've stubbed our toes a, a few times here or there, um, but we pick ourselves up, learn from that and, and move on. Three, I think it's a platform that really demands a nimble team. What do I mean by that? Our mm-hmm. sister brand, Aerie, had one of those fantastic viral events. They have a, a legging for women called the crossover. Um, and a, a creator, actually not even a creator, like a, a normal person, um, <laughs> um, you know, posted something about that. And this thing went beyond bonkers viral, selling out <laughs> months after months after months after months. And it wasn't because the Aerie team had had you know partnered with this person, but it mm-hmm. was about what they did afterwards to fan the flames mm. of morality. So I think nimbleness is is another thing. I, I will also give the TikTok team that we work with right on up to the top um, credit for listening, uh, for taking feedback, um, and and 
understanding where we as an industry and where we as a company would like to go, um, you know, in, in this particular space. Um, and so I think that you have a platform that is, I found, our team has found very open to that. So um, we're really bullish on TikTok. Clearly, Gen Z is bullish as well because they're spending a, a lot of time on that platform. So I think um, some of the most exciting days for TikTok are still ahead of us. Yeah, I will say we've had a very similar experience when it comes to TikTok, just like very open to collaboration, very proactive and wanting to work together, very, um, um, you know, they are, you know, they're giving you the tools, kind of point you, pointing you in the right direction. But again, very open to feedback, uh, which is surprising, right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's been a very, it's very different than I would say kind of other experiences that we've had historically. Yeah. Um, and obviously with you, it makes sense, but yeah. You know, I was just going to say, I, I do think, and, and I've, I've said this specifically to them and they're very aware and working as hard as they can is, you know, TikTok is kind of in that stage that Snap was where it was kind of the wild, wild west. And we knew as marketers that a lot of eyeballs and attention were being vacuumed up by that channel. But at some point, what does it all mean? Um, and, and measurement, I think, is probably on the minds of many marketers and many larger yep. organizations today. And again, they're working on it fast and furiously. But, you know, I, 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 I think that, you know, the CFO knocks on the door in the next six to 12 to 18 months say, hey, you know, I know we love TikTok, but I have a lot more data and a lot more measurement behind some of the more mature channels. What is, what yep. is TikTok giving us? So I think that's the next phase for them while they yep. continue to do the amazing, exciting stuff that they're doing from just a creative and, and brand perspective. Yeah. And again, you know, I think we we focus a lot on measurement, right? And we also have some challenges, right? In terms of how, what kind of data can we get and all these kinds of things. Um, and yeah, I think the thing that we've observed is there's a lot of people on TikTok growing very, very, very fast. I use it a lot. But again, branded content's like dramatically lower, like significantly yeah. lower. Yeah. And so, you know, brands want to do it, but I think it's hard to know exactly how to, right? Like what is working? How do I really put money into this in a meaningful way that I know, um, you know, I know I'm getting something back out of it, right? And I think so, the interesting uh, thing about TikTok is that it changes, you know, uh, like the speed of lightning. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so I think it's harder to actually say, here are best practices, go create content yeah. around these best practices because it seems to us as that algorithm continues to shift and reward um, content. And again, I think Gen Z is moving so darn fast um, that I'm a proponent of it. experiment, try, flex, be nimble, um, and and hopefully you'll 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 finally hit hit something. And again, I think creator led is is the most important thing. Yeah, I think that that 100 makes sense. I think the um, I love your concept of you know what do you do after you go viral, right? Like how do you maximize? Like I remember this happening with Ocean Spray. I don't remember if, you know if you remember that video. So the guy riding the skateboard, spray. right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know they like sent him a truck full of ocean spray and they did this, they did that. They like got him engaged. I think he met the, you know, the artist, blah, blah, blah. I think, uh, you know, that was that part of the process. How do you adapt afterwards? And not just, I mean, you have both the marketing angle of things, but you also have like, this puts a lot of stress on supply chain, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you would have loved to not be sold out of that, you know, every other day, right. And actually be generating the revenue that's sitting there. Um, so 
it's uh it creates unique challenges when you don't control the media right the medium yeah. of communication when it can be so unpredictable um, right so okay so let's dive into your background a little bit so or you know your your personal career so you know you got to become a senior vice president within 10 years of graduating from grad school and obviously you're now cmo at one of the the, the best brands in the world um, you know, for others that want to follow that path, right, want to kind of are interested in pursuing a similar career, what would you, be your recommendations to them? What would be the advice that you'd give to them? Yeah, the first advice I always give to someone is do what you love and love what you do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if you use that philosophy, you're going to find opportunities that bring out the best of you. Um, and you know, while I've, I've, I have a family to feed, I have a mortgage to pay, and, and, and certainly compensation is important. What's more important to me is is the experiences that I have at, at these at these different companies. So I think that is something that has helped lead me through my career. Second, um, I think having a bit of focus on where you want to go and and communicating that to people. What do I mean by that? Is I think people want to help each other. Um, and so mentors have been very important in my career. Um, I've reached out to people that I haven't known and asked for favors. And again, people seem to, to be wanting to help. So if, if you have a little bit of clarity, even early in your career, um, I, I think that that certainly helps. Um, three, I think um, understanding what success looks like in each of mm -hmm. these gigs is important and being real clear with your your boss, your cross-functional partners, your team, um, and I think I think that's that's important. And listen, um, you know, I, I have had the privilege of of being at at a couple of different places, and I think that that requires um, the understanding that in this modern workplace um, is that it's rare to find someone who is at a company for. 10, 15, 20 years. So it's just a fact. I'm not saying it's a fact for me, but it's a fact that the modern CMO in America lasts 2.8 years uh, yeah. before he or she moves on to their 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 next opportunity. So I think um, you know, being excited by change and being able to pivot is is something that that has been helpful. And and then finally being self-aware of your skill set. And um, you know, I, I think that. I personally have developed a skill set um, that really nicely matches iconic brands, certainly iconic American brands during times of change. Um, and I've been able to, to come in and our teams have been able to, to have impact. That kind of CMO lifespan is a really interesting statistic. I hadn't heard it before. Um, makes sense. Aligns with what my expectations would be. But, you know, what's interesting about that is I know for me, it's like, man, I feel like two years in, you know, you're just getting going, right? You're just like, that's when you're start, starting to fully crank. Um, what is it that you think causes there to be so much turnover within that? And I, a lot of it's self-selected too. It's not, not just people, you know, being, uh, 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 not having a choice in the matter, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but what is it that you think causes that, that turmoil? And what do you think is the ideal length, right? What do you think is like, the ideal uh, kind of tenure at a brand to actually kind of have the impact, but also, you know, not become stagnant from a career perspective. Honestly, Connor, I think there's a bit of confusion in corporate America about what a modern CMO is supposed to be. 
-hmm. And the reality is, is that every organization needs a different kind of CMO and none of us are cut from a, you know, a, a cookie cutter place anymore. And so some of us might lean a little bit heavier to brand. Some of us might lean a little bit heavier to digital. Some of us might lean a little bit more to commercial. Some of us might lean toward data. And, and that's why I, I mentioned a moment ago is really defining what success looks like for that role and making sure the CEO, the board understand what you're bringing to the table, I think actually could help elongate a CMO's lifespan mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, because there's there's a lot of mismatches out there to be quite honest. And so that I think yeah. that's a bummer for both sides, right? Um, I, I don't know if there's a if there is a, a ideal lifespan, you know, um, and you know, for me at American Eagle, especially with this younger demo, you know, I'm tap dancing and learning shit every day. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the pat answer would be, you know, until you feel like you've given enough, you've learned enough, and and it's ready to ready to move on. I'm not so sure that is the case around here because, um, you know, Gen Z will graduate and 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 Gen Alpha will be will be on to us. But, um, you know, I I think that um, that 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 mismatch of skill set and then just a little bit of a confusion of what what do you need from the marketing team is probably something that causes that shorter shorter lifespan for for CMOs. You know, it's really interesting the way that you phrase that. I hadn't actually heard it phrased that way, but it, it aligns with um, an observation that I've had. Right. So the woman I just interviewed, her name is Megan Streeter. Uh, she's a CMO at Pros, a CMO at a company called Diva Curl. Had a long career at. Estee Lauder, L'Oreal. She's been in marketing beauty companies for almost 20 years, 19 years, and um, has sold two of those, got two of those from very small to over $100 million in sales, sold those, et cetera. So it's been very successful. Um, and again, in a lot of ways, it mirrors your own career in that you've had this kind of deep and long background um, in retail apparel brands. Now, obviously, different target customers, different you know products, but again, pretty, pretty similar, right, in terms of the actual product that you're selling, et cetera. Um, and you've been successful along the way consistently. And we see this in technology. There's a company called Workday that always kind of comes to mind for me where it was like, the guy started like the first, like, like, you know, HR software system back when you didn't even have SaaS, right? There was no internet and then sold that for a ton of money. And they went to the next one and did it again, doing it to the next one, did it again. Or if you look at Frank Slootman and what he's doing at uh, Snowflake, same thing. It's like the same company three times in a row, basically, but new, new versions of it. And so, um, and I see it really frequently where you see people move industries and it's like not everything transfers. And I find the the success rate to be quite a bit lower um, in my observation. What's your opinion here in terms of, uh, you know, kind of that as a concept, right? Kind of sticking with a category over a long period of time, even though you're moving within different brands within that category. Do you think that's been important to your own kind of personal success? I think it has, but again, there are people, you know, to each his own, there, there are people that very successfully pivot from one industry to the next. Connor, I think for me, retail provided the adrenaline that I was looking for as a professional. Yep. So every yep. hour of every day, I get a sales read. Um, and often the bat phone rings after that. And we got to do something because sales are softer or, boy, there's a product that's really blowing up in a positive way. How can we how can we juice that? Um, and so I have found retail so fascinating because it's a constant 
game uh, uh, and, 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 and tweaking of messaging, of content, of promo, of, of lines and, and, and all that. So that for me has worked really well. But again, I, there, there are other CMOs who have had really successful careers and they pivoted from um, industry to industry. You know, as, as I've kind of advanced in my career, I, I am part of a CMO community uh, now um, where I do get to interact with, with, you know, amazing marketers from amazing brands. I'm always fascinated by what my professional day looks like compared to other CMOs in other industries. And sometimes they're like, wow, that's, that's your day. That's so weird because my day doesn't even look close to that. And yet, you know, she's a fantastic, successful CMO. I think I've, I've, I have a bit of game in me as well. So it's um, again, going back probably to do what you love, love what you do. Yeah. Um, Retail is that beautiful balance of art and science um, and, um, you know, I've, I've been super privileged to, to, to be on this, this, this wild ride. hundred percent. Well, let's do one last, uh, kind of fun end of show question. Um, so I'd be curious how the different brands you've worked at have affected both your personal and your family's closets. Um, are you required when you go to a new brand to remove all of the products from the previous brand and start over? How, how, has, how has that affected your own personal closet? Yeah, Connor, I think the biggest beneficiary of my moves in my career have been goodwill because to, uh, your, point, okay. <laughs> to your point, you know, you got, you take the entire closet and you dump it in the car and you drive it over to goodwill and say, here you go. Um, but you know, you, you can't work at, you know, the number one gene seller in America, American Eagle, and still have an Abercrombie sweatshirt. You can't work at, <laughs> at, at Gap and, and still be wearing, you know, Calvin Klein underwear or something. So it is a, it is a wholesale change. Um, my wife and I do have two teenage daughters here at home. Um, and, um, you know, you would think I'd be very cool to them right now because I'd met Gen Z's number one retailer. I have a little bit of cred every once in a while, but I'm still I'm still dad, so um, I think I'm cooler to their friends than 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 them. Um, but you know, they're, I think they're pretty excited that that their dad is is at AE, and um, again, their generation so much identifies with this brand, so they're happy to get that employee discount um, and, and and rock some AE jeans at school. I can imagine. Well, I really appreciate it, Craig. I know I learned a lot today. This could have gone twice as long on my end, but I'm glad we got to what we did get to. And um, congrats again on all the success and for being so helpful to other people, taking time out to do stuff like this. And uh, excited to watch you continue to crush it uh, at, at AE. Thanks, Connor. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Bye, Craig. Be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe. Earned by Creator IQ. Creator IQ is your all-in-one solution to grow, manage, scale, and measure your influencer marketing program. Ready to unlock the power of the creator economy? Get started with a demo today at creatoriq.com.